Hello, everyone, and welcome to Marketing Management Money. We have an exciting interview, a guest on today. Fabian van Vreckum is with us from Valpeo. We're really excited to have Fabian with us today because Valpeo is kind of an interesting business concept. They uh, really want to combine this idea of, uh, you know, organization, consultancy, but people. And so, you know, a huge emphasis on people and the importance of people. And so we're, uh, we're wanting to talk about that today. We're wanting to talk about in this world of, you know, kind of uh, technology of numbers where uh, people are starting to forget a little bit. Uh, some of the value that uh, can be placed into an organization. And so, uh, Fabian, if you don't mind, just give us kind of a, a high-level overview of uh, your role as CEO there with Valpeo and a little bit of what Valpeo does. Okay, so I started with uh, Valpeo in uh, 2017. It's a digitalized, uh, it's a platform uh, that helps consultants to uh, do organizational uh, consultancy or leadership advisory. Uh, with a, uh, a focus on people, um, trying to understand um, uh, how people think, uh, how they feel, and how they would like to act in an organization. Uh, mm-hmm. um, it's based on uh, experience. I have I've been in consultancy now for uh, 15 years. Uh, mm-hmm. Before I, I was in HR, uh, worked in international companies as HR director or HR manager. And um, I probably had to fire more people than hire more people. At that time. <laughs> and when I well, uh, moved to consultancy and, and bought uh, an executive search company 15 years ago, uh, I went to have a look at all the research that was done on not why are people successful, but okay. why do people fail? Okay. And the, uh, uh, I, I got uh, interested in the work of Elliot Jacks about how people relate to complexity, the, the work of Robert Keegan about levels of consciousness of people, the work of uh, Shalom Swartz about um, values, universal values of people. And between 2009 and 2017, uh, we use it uh, in our uh, offering in Belgium as a Belgian consultancy company mm-hmm. and digitalized the, the offering and are now moving into uh, building an international community of uh, uh, Falpeo accredited partners who use those instruments to uh, give leadership advisory. Um, the difference, I believe, is that with the, the, the best practices today is that we start from um, what we call um, levels of development of organizations. Uh, there are there are patterns to see in how organizations develop from small to big okay. that that relate and that is the interesting part to the levels of consciousness of people. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, the uh, I always say that my gardener is interesting in when he comes in he uh, he looks at the the height of my hay to to cut it uh, when. Uh, one of your presidents uh, would come in, he would probably start reflecting on how to make the world a better place. Yeah? Uh-huh. The perspective of the, of the how we per- perceive the reality around us uh, allows us to build a certain mental model. And, and if you look at those patterns, you can see stages of development that allow you to function at a certain level within an organization. Mm-hmm. So we use this to understand how organizations function uh, 
and what their next stage of development is from from simply delivering good quality to trying to understand the real needs of the customer and offering a service to making a system out of it as an organization and then reflect on how your system will fit in for the next three to five years, what you need to anticipate to need to meet the future needs. And the next stage is then about reflecting on your identity as an organization and how you could contribute to society. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so let, let me, and, and, and I apologize because there's a ton of information here and I want to start breaking this down for our listeners. And so we're going to kind of, we're, we're going to pick apart a couple of these pieces here. One of the first things that I want to do is I want to make sure that people who are listening, they know how to reach out to Valpeo. So that is spelled V-A-L-P-E-O, and you can just go to valpeo.com, right? And that's, that's, that's where they can connect. So if they're really interested in this, they want to take it a step further, uh, you know, uh, valpeo.com is, is where the website is. But can, can I can I back you up for just a second and ask a question? You started off with something that really, um, I, 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 I laughed at it, and I didn't mean to laugh because it's not funny that people are getting fired, but you made this comment. You said, you know, you probably fired more people than, uh, you know, than, than you ever hired. And, and, and I hear that a lot where a lot of people, they, they have to come in and they – you know, you end up firing too many people. How does a how does a small business avoid this on the on the front end? What gets them into this mess where they're having to fire a whole bunch of people? Because in that interview, in that initial interview, you're not thinking to yourself, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to fire this guy in three months." You're thinking, "Hey, this is you know this is exciting. We want you to grow with us." But all too often, it kind of goes the wrong way. So. In your experience, how can a small business guard against that and not make those, you know, those hiring mistakes that lead to those firing consequences that are all too common? Yeah, we have a, a tendency to hire for today mm. and, and not to hire for tomorrow. Mm. We have a tendency to look at is somebody capable of doing the work I'm going to delegate him or her. Okay. And often we use competence models. We define a list of criteria, which is quite linear, five, six, seven, or eight, um, and do some research on personality and try to understand if he or she will be able to cope uh, with the role today. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we, don't, but we don't live in a static environment. We live in a dynamic environment in the meanwhile. Huh? Mm -hmm. the, the world has become a village. And things are changing every day. We have an overload of information. So what we try to do is not to see if somebody is competent, we will get there at the end, but what makes them competent and what, and how far can they grow? Okay. Uh, and for that, you need to understand uh, how they think, how they create uh, an image of reality and the mental model they built what values they bring in and how they relate to the culture of your organization and what are their preferred behavioral uh, attitudes. The, the main difference is that you get a full understanding of what is the context today and tomorrow that that person will fit into. Mm -hmm. So we try to have a more in-depth understanding of the individual so we can see if they fit in in the current context, but also if they are able to cope with the next context. And, and often what I've seen people fail because 
the organization needed to move to the next stage of development and they weren't able to cope with that next stage of development. Okay. I worked for a brewery um, and at the there are two import there were two important breweries in and one you will probably know that's Imbef. Okay. Uh, uh, the, when I was in HR director in a brewery in Belgium, I was with the other one. Okay. <laughs> I was with the other one. Okay. So in while Inbev was uh, conquering the world, we were losing market share in Belgium. Mm-hmm. I, in the meanwhile, as a consultant, I've met all the uh, C-level people who worked in that organization at that time. Huh? Mm-hmm. They were all far more uh, capable. Mm-hmm. Their perspective of reality were far more bigger. So, so they were able to create something different, far more bigger, and they conquered the world and we lost market share. Mm. Yeah. So get, getting it, trying to get an understanding how people relate to reality is for me, one of the most missed competencies we look at because it's very difficult to detect. A lot of people can speak about sustainability today, digitalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all have a, a certain a, a knowledge of it, but solving the problem of it is something different and trying to understand um, how they uh, will do that is what we try to do. A lot of people speak about innovation. And when you, when you take 20 minutes, uh, some for some innovation is about improving what is already there Mm -hmm. for others. It's about creating what needs to become. Sure. Yeah. Uh, um, And, and that is the huge difference. Uh, trying to understand that that mental model they built because that will have help them to make judgments and make decisions where the organization needs to go to so and of course there is attitude and there course there is cultural fit but the most mistakes for me are are made in 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 what we call mental orientation the mental models people create uh-huh. are they able to cope with the problems um they're we are going to uh, we need to address mm-hmm. or not um we we select people on a limited criteria and always say but they also bring all the rest uh, they bring they bring in their belief systems their value systems their frame of reference we try to look at that also to avoid that uh they are people don't get aligned um, so i am totally agreeing with what you're saying and i love it But a thought that keeps popping into my mind is as I work with small businesses and you start telling them, you know, like, look, you need to you need to broaden your spectrum. You can't just focus on today. Don't hire for today. Look at the culture. Look at those kinds of things. Immediately, they want to go to dollar signs because they think, oh, my gosh, if 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 I've got to bring someone on and they're not going to be valuable to my company for three months, six months, you know, by the time they get assimilated, you know, like that's that, that's going to cost me money. And, and what do I do today? And they and they they start, you know, kind of getting a little bit antsy, uh, you know, panicky. So how how would you tell a, uh, you know, a small business that is concerned about, you know, staying relevant with their cash flow, not having to sink a whole bunch of money on tomorrow when they're nervous about today, but they need to be thinking about tomorrow. They need to be more visionary. They need to be more long focused, you know, long-term focused. What, what would you say to that company who immediately is pulling it back to the numbers? 
Yeah, because they focus on PL, mm-hmm. profit and loss, and not on their balance sheet. I say, look at your balance sheet, you know, that's where you create the value. So you don't have to move. You, an organization is not obliged to do all those things. Mm-hmm. You don't have to reflect about tomorrow, but the world is evolving. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how long will you maintain your autonomy? How long will you maintain your profit and loss as it is today if you don't do nothing? If you're not willing to invest in the next stage, there will be no next stage. It's that simple. (laughs) That's profound. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with making profits, but be aware that if you don't do nothing, status quo doesn't exist. You will go down and others will move forward. So there is no alternative. We're in a economical system where people compete. Mm-hmm. People compete based on how they construct realities. Sure. And they, and they try to bring more complex perspectives of reality. When I was when I started my career in the 1970s, it was all about uh, continuous improvement, mm-hmm. um, it, uh, efficiency. In Europe, people moved half of their businesses to Eastern Europe or to China because it was cheaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the 80s, they said it's all about developing products with more added value. Uh So we needed to have a better understanding of the perspective and the living environment of the client and create those paintings of how we could add value to there. Today, it's all about purpose, purpose, not what we do, but why are we here and how long are we going to stay here knowing that there is new science, there is uh, new technology. Taxi companies have been replaced by Uber. Mm-hmm. They 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 didn't say how can we increase the customer experience of our cabs. They said, you know what? Let's simply look at those companies. What do they do? They connect a, a, somebody who likes to drive a car with somebody who needs a ride. Can we organize that in another way without buying cars? Uh-huh. Nespresso did the same thing. They said, you know what? We don't want to be. Um, a coffee producer in a way we're going to help people to make coffee okay they they changed not the coffee product first they changed the filter system that allows us to make uh, a cup of coffee in two minutes not wait half an hour because before the coffee is ready so they don't reflect anymore on or not only on efficiency or on uh, adding products with more added value They reflect on lifestyle, purpose, why are we here? And now they're in stage of going to the next stage of reflecting on sustainability of their products. Uh, Because how long is it going to make sense that we, if you see the garbage that brings in that product, um, they will have a sustainability issue. So these are stages of development. You can say, you know, it's interesting, but I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not going to participate. You will lose autonomy. Mm. A lot of a lot of uh, uh, food producers who didn't move into healthy food, as Nestle did, they are now subcontractors of uh, the retail. Simply uh, remains they remain producers, but it's now the retail that tells them what they need to produce. Mm? Yeah, yeah. So okay, the solid examples making a ton of sense. This is what I'm wondering. You've got expertise in organizational uh, development of a company. And it's easy to look back 
and say, oh, you know, the the taxis, they, they, they were too reactive to Uber. They didn't meet the needs of, you know, what people really wanted. To, and that was, to, you know, to connect the, uh, the driver and the rider, you know, in a very simplistic, efficient way. And, and it's easy to look backwards and see that. But if I'm a small business and I'm looking at it, well, okay, there are, there are a couple parts here to, to what I want to discuss. The first part is, how does a small business who thinks, well, I'm small, I mean, Uber, they, you know, they, they took on the entire taxi, you know, industry and, and they did it so successfully. And, you know, here they are with an IPO and they're like, ah, that's, that's like, ah, that's too big for me. Right. I can't, I can't take on the world and then have an IPO to, to do it. Right. But I've got these businesses that it's like, okay, how can you think a little bit bigger? How can you get your organization to realize? And, and I love what you're talking about here where we, uh, you know, the world has become a village. And, you know, I, I think too many people feel like they're, they're isolated, that they're too small. And it's like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're still, you're in this race, whether you like it or not. You know, you are now, I, I mean, I look at this where like, I'm over here in the United States, you're in Belgium, and we're having a business conversation in, in real time. I mean, that's how business works today. It used to be that if I wanted to meet with someone in Belgium, I would have to, you know, plan this this trip, make a lot of, you know, coordinating efforts, uh, you know, fly out there. And, and it, it, was, it was much more complicated than, than what's happening today. You know, so, so that's kind of my, uh, my first part is how do businesses – how do they grasp kind of the scope and the size of, of organizational development? And then the second part that, that ties into that is when, uh, well, okay, I, I want to say when do they start, but I mean, they start now, but it's like, how do they get on the, you know, how do they understand where they should be in terms of organizational development so that they're not you know, that they're not falling behind, that they're not the one, you know, they're not the taxi cab that is looking, you know, and saying, oh, yeah, we probably should have done something five years ago. Okay. First part has to do for me with uh, what is your uh, own purpose? Mm -hmm. do you want to As an owner, you're talking, you're the, you're okay. the owner. What is your purpose, right? Because as a, especially as a founder, uh, it's your baby it's your child and you're a 100% owner. And then uh, now you're in, in different roles. You're a CEO, you're living your dream, you're managing that company. So it's all, it's you, uh, almost a one man show. Okay. And then um, you, you want to live your dream, but you don't have the money. So you need investors to come in. So you need to let go of part of that ownership. Mm -hmm. and they're often the problem what is important to you to live your dream or to be a 100% owner Ooh, that's a good question uh, and, and, and um, so is it about the money is it about anxiety to lose control and, and that's the problem a founder starts with a dream mm -hmm. and risks ending up with anxiety for letting go yeah. And then another pun, then he's aware that if one day he sells part of his business, maybe he's not suited for being the CEO. So suddenly 
somebody is uh, trying to bring his dream to the market, mm-hmm. which is different between with living your own dream at full, often for many people. Yeah, letting letting go, and the risk if they sell everything is what are they going to do next? Because now the dream is gone. Yeah. So they have to find a new dream. So they get stuck in anxiety often uh, of, 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 of moving forward, losing, uh, not losing control. And that's the, that's probably the most difficult part to play. Who do I let in under what circumstances? If I seek investments, do they have the same purpose as me or do they simply come in for the money? Mm-hmm. Are they really here to help me live my dream? Am I aware of my capabilities and where that ends? Um, am I there yet? Am I making the full use of what I'm capable of? Or am I, am I required to do things that go beyond my, um, what I call pay rate? Uh-huh. Um, uh, so, so th- th- that's you're you're confronted with yourself so being aware of that being aware of um, who i am uh, what is really important to you um it, it is um yeah it's essential in that first part and i forgot the second part of your question well, oh, okay we'll get to the second part of the question the second part was uh kind of how do i get into it how do i start to do um you know make those correct steps in organizational development but before we jump into that I want to ask, so this dilemma that you've, uh, you, you know, that you've painted when a founder is like, okay, you know, how much do I want to live the dream? How much do I want to give up control in, in exchange for growth and investment? How, how does the owner answer those questions? How do you break through those dilemmas? Because otherwise you're just going to be paralyzed with indecision. What, what can you do to, to determine that? Create awareness. First, then desire to make a choice. Okay, okay. And so that's it. And then go for it and, and be aware of the consequences. But you can't have everything. If you if you have an ideal idea but you don't have the money, I'm very sorry. Some have a money, uh, some have money and like to help you achieve your dream because it becomes their dream also. It's part of their purpose. So you need to connect purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and find the right people with the right purposes. If not, it will be a mess. Yeah, because uh, it will be in for other reasons than for your purpose. And and um, so, but there is no way around. Uh, um, there is no way around. Um, and and yeah, tr- try to cope with that. I believe. So 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 bringing it back to the purpose, like what what really are you there for? How do you achieve that goal, that desire? Uh, I, I love it. So that that'll that'll segue into you know kind of that part two is okay. So someone's ready to do some organizational structure. What do they do? You know, I mean, I mean, this is what Valpeo specializes in. You guys come in and you help develop that organization. Like what you know what what are some things that the entrepreneurs they need to be ready for. You know, what are some stages that they're going to go through? Uh, you know, what, what, what does that look like? Okay. Uh, it starts always, what is the level of value you want to bring? Okay. Is it simply doing what needs to be done? Is it reflecting on the service 
that needs to be brought? Is it on uh, penetrating certain segments of the market? Is it about creating value for others? Is it about uh, building a unique purpose? Is it about um, creating something that not only makes sense to you, but makes sense to society? These are different stages of development. You need to know where you are today and what's the next stage. Mm -hmm. And based on that, you start building a structure uh, or bring together people who are able to cope with that. Um, um, there's a logic in uh, in uh, organizational design that needs to fit those mental models. Okay. Uh, if you cannot construct a scenario for the future in your in between your ears, you're not able to write a policy for tomorrow. I'm very sorry. Mm -hmm. If you come in, and I always say there are certain managers they come in. And they, uh, the first qu question they always ask is, how does the system work and how can we improve it? That's the managerial level. Right. But at a director's level, he, he goes and he sits outside and he reflects on how is the world going to evolve and how do we, we anticipate that? So he reflects on different questions. Mm -hmm. So an organization is built on what questions needs to be answered because with that question comes uh, an added value that needs to be put in place. Mm -hmm. uh, we need managers that operate the system. We need uh, C-level people who reflect on tomorrow. Uh, and, and depending on the size, uh, the number of people that come in at those different levels will be different. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you can have a, as a founder, a great idea uh, that popped up, um, um, but at a certain moment in time, when you're a little bit successful, your organization becomes a system, you start delegating execution, you start delegating problem solving and customer service, you start building the system, uh, do I, how do I connect people and the resources? And then you, you start, you need to start preparing for tomorrow. And at a certain moment in time, reflecto is what we created initially still relevant, and will it remain relevant? These are the stages on 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 which we design an organization to see that on every stage you have people in place that add value. They are not there only to control what they have delegated. They are also paid to add something at their level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 excellent. That that really. I think there are so many fundamentals that we get down in the trenches, we start, you know, doing all the work and we forget about some of these things. And so as you're pointing things out, I'm like, yeah, you know, this, this makes sense. This is, this is exactly where a business needs to go. These are the kind of things that they need to be aware of, that they need to, you know, put some action toward, but we, 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 we get caught up in the daily, you know, the, the daily grind of the business and, and we just start to lose sight of that. We just start to just, you know, it, it, it slips away and then you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, what, where have I been for the last, you know, four months? Because I should have been focusing on developing my business and instead I'm just doing tasks. I'm just checking those boxes and we're really not making anything happen. And so I, I, I really, really like that. Now, I, I want to shift gears a little bit if we can. So uh, you recently authored uh, Disruption Work. And 
And I would love to hear a little bit about, uh, about, about your new book and you know what what it entails and what inspired you to uh, to write it uh, so do, do you mind can, can we can we delve into this for for a minute so i already spoke about those mental models and how people create them what if you if you will read my book you will see that they are used those mental models are as i say stages of organizational development for a simple reason we organizations are based on how people think mm-hmm. people construct an image of reality and try to align with it based on those models they go in competition i give you an example okay i have a gardener who comes in already 10 years you know? okay very good quality and every three months he comes back you know? mm-hmm. very bad service he's always too late <laughs> his perspective of quality is based on his frame of reference. Mm-hmm. He's not aware that he's expressing his needs and not my needs. He never asked me why it's important to me to come on time. And by the way, he never comes on time, but very high quality. Okay. The day I will find a gardener that is able to understand that between him and me, there are needs. We can have a discussion on my needs and it's all not only about maintaining my garden. Well, it's also, maintaining it in in a proper way at the time we is agreed upon so i don't have to be there when he comes or i know at least when he's coming okay yeah so uh so the first stage is simply doing what you like to do and what i'm capable of that's the first stage of uh, consciousness the second stage is becoming aware that you're expressing needs and by consequence maybe you start reflecting on the needs of others so you can address them Mm -hmm. So people start servicing customers. They don't uh, do something. They offer a solution. That's the second stage. Mm-hmm. Now, the third stage is becoming aware that those solutions and expectations evolve depending on circumstances. And that's what we call in, in marketing terms, market segmentation. Mm-hmm. Divide groups because they have different circumstances, younger people, older people, we wear different clothes in the summer or in the winter, not because we have different needs, but the circumstances are different. Okay. Fourth stage is about um, understanding that by trying to deliver good quality and service at, in uh, give, uh, addressing certain circumstances, at the end of the day, you're adding value in the context of somebody else. Mm-hmm. But that context will evolve mm-hmm. and the perspective can be different. You can look, you can have an idea of what uh, quality and service means from a physical perspective, the physical product you offer, mm-hmm. but you can also have a perspective from an, you can also have an emotional perspective. I'll give you an example. Coca-Cola is selling already since 1920 Santa Claus. Right. That's an emotional perspective. If you try, you can try to copy that physical product and see to it that at the end of the day, when you drink it, you get the same taste, but you will never be able to copy the emotional perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And 95% of uh, uh, purchasing decisions are emotional. So when you look at context at that stage, people start to understand that 
even if there is a best practice in an industry, maybe we should look at that industry from another perspective. Do we cope with, did, maybe they are the best in offering a physical product, but they forgot to buy an emo, to sell an emotion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and how can we ad, ad, adapt the way we present the product in a way that our emotion becomes better? All those imported products from China, for instance, copied. Mm -hmm. you, you buy a physical product. You don't buy the emotion or the emotion is at least different. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can start reflecting on uh, how do I look at that added value from those different perspectives. And they can be cultural, physical, symbolic. If symbols are not of importance, we would all drive the same brand. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So you create an image around the physical product you have, and that can be different. Furthermore, those emotional desires, those physical desires, they evolve as uh, society evolves because there's new technology and so on. So you can start, if you don't, if you are not best practice today, you can compete on the future and start reflecting on how will technology evolve, how will emotions evolve, and build a concept for tomorrow. So that's the fourth stage. Well, and, and, and I think even if people are doing best practices today, they still need to be competing on the future because the future is going to change. You know, if, 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 you, if you are just sitting there thinking, oh, I got this, you know, we're, we're dominating market share today. How long before someone else is going to come in and disrupt you? They're all vying for your spot. They're trying to get your customers and, and they're coming up with great ideas constantly. But that awareness didn't only came in in the eighties mm -hmm. because we had a closed economy. Uh, so uh, really reflecting on marketing, uh, mm -hmm. commercial TV started then, uh, they had the opportunity to, to, to live their brands. So that's what came in in the eighties. And then the next stage is becoming aware that while you're trying to uh, add something in the context of others, becoming aware that it's based on your ambition and your purpose. Mm -hmm. A coffee producer makes coffee. They reflected every day before Nespresso started, they reflected every day on how make the coffee better and create a better emotion. Mm -hmm. But Nespresso said, you know what? Don't look at how we can make better coffee. Let's look at the stage before that client starts using our product. Mm -hmm. Transforming the product into cup of coffee. And yeah. let's focus on that. Airbnb did the same. Uber did the same. They all transformed the role. They, they look at the full value chain in which they operate. They, they become aware that that organization is part of the context. So don't only look at the context of the client. Look at yourself while serving it and look at what others, what else could we do in that context? Yeah. That is... Uh, and by consequence, you change lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Uber, Airbnb, 
Definitely. They all change lifestyle. Lifestyle is very simple. They help us to do certain things in a different way. Uh, and it becomes part of our lives. And once you, um, you, you have installed those Nespresso machines in your, in your kitchen, the others are out of business, but because you can't pour their coffee in it. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And the next stage is letting go of, uh, your purpose, what you believe is important, what you value and reflecting on what makes sense and will make sense to society. Okay. So kind of putting the customer's needs first. Yeah. And societal needs first. Uh -huh. uh, Nestle shifted from food to healthy food in the nineties because obesitas became a problem. Sure. And they were one of the first to make that transitions. Uh -huh. Many didn't follow. They said, you know, we're producing, uh, we're producing food. We're okay. Uh, Nestle said, we're going to produce healthy food. Uh -huh. And, and, because they saw that there will be a health problem. So they focused on what values will become more important. But we as an individual subconsciously, we're not aware that if we, if certain values do not attract us, we will not reflect on them to build a business. Sure. If you're not driven by safety, if doesn't, if you're, uh, if you dare to take a lot of risks, I don't see you building a product tomorrow that relates to security. Right. It, because often what we do is a coping mechanism that relates to our own value system. Yeah. Well, I even see this in the educational realm where students will, you know, they'll choose a degree of study and they just really aren't driven by that. And then they end up, you know, getting a job and they're still not driven. And it's like, no, at some point you've got to have some aptitude, some buy-in, some connection to it. And so whether you're starting a business, whether you're pursuing education, whether you're joining another team, you know, you don't have to be the founder of the company to be entrepreneurial. You can be in there adding value, innovation to the company. But if you're just not passionate about what the company does, it's a job, you know, it's just you're coming and collecting a paycheck. Yeah. And so what I try to explain in my book is how by changing continuously the perspective, you, the needs of others, the mm -hmm. circumstances, the perspective on base, we defined all that, the, the, the role you play, the value system and belief system behind it. These are the normal stages of any industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, um, I have several examples in my book explaining it and that's what we use. We, we look at where are you with your business today? On what stage are you? Yeah. And what would be the next opportunity to go to the next level? That's excellent. So if someone wanted to find your book, where, uh, where could they get a copy? Uh, Amazon.com on uh, Kindle. Perfect. Um, so that's easy. It takes only two minutes normally. Uh, that's how, how it's available. It's available in, in English. It's available in, in Dutch and French. Um, it's a small pocketbook. Um, if you can't sleep, you should get through it uh, during uh, uh, three hours. Probably it's 100 pages, but it's, it's pocket version. Perfect. Uh, and they can find also interesting uh, articles on the, on the blog page of uh, Valpeo if they want to do more. And if not, just write us an email and we'll try to help you. 
So, so yeah. Uh, how how would someone connect with you? What uh, what what's a good email that they can uh, they can connect, or do you prefer social media? If if someone wants to do some follow up with you, uh, what's the they, best way? They can get, uh, LinkedIn is the easiest way. Just uh, send me uh, 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 a brief uh, description through uh, LinkedIn. Um, uh, they can send me an email to my uh, uh, Fabian at valpeo.com. Uh, that's also an easy one. Um, or just pick up the phone. I think there's a number on the site where they can connect or even go through the, there's a, 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 um, a page on the site where they can also send the message. Perfect. Hey, Fabian, this has been a wonderful, uh, wonderful interview. I've loved the insight. Uh, I think it's really cool, the work that you're doing. You know, uh, when I was looking at the, uh, you know, kind of the, the mission statement of Valpeo, and uh, it, it really struck me as a way to stand out in kind of a, a crowded, busy world, uh, you know, the, this idea of of people valuing people really, uh, really resonates well with me. So I, I appreciate the work that you're doing. And any final thoughts or any uh, any concluding ideas that you'd like to share with our listeners? Live your dream. <laughs> Beautifully said. <laughs> You've been listening to our interview with Fabian Van Vrekem. And he is the CEO of Valpeo. That's valpeo.com, where you can uh, check him out. We're going to put some of that contact information in the description below. But feel free to reach out to him. Pick up his new book, Disruption Work. Uh, you can find it on Kindle. And uh, again, Fabian, thank you so much. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.